thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. How are you guys doing? Why don't we give God a round of applause? Awesome. So go ahead and have a seat. We have, uh, as you guys can tell, we had baptisms today. Uh, this is not a hot tub for us. Uh, but um, it's there for the people that don't pay attention. We just throw them in the water. Anyway, but welcome home if you're here for the first time, if you're visiting us, uh, welcome. This is a, an incredible place uh, where you can come and just really simply uh, hear the Word of God, not to learn the Word of God, but to learn to do what the Word of God says. We know that the Bible says do not be hearers of the Word or mere hearers of the Word, but be doers uh, of the Word. And sometimes the problem is that church becomes so complicated, you know, we have a lot of things we need to learn and... If we can't learn enough, it means we can't apply it. And I think that's many times an excuse for not living what the, what the Bible says. I want to share with you a short message today. Some of you have been here since the early morning through the baptisms. More than 20, uh, I think it was 20-something, 20 21 people, at least 21 people got baptized. Uh, and they just decided to follow Jesus, to really say, you know, I want to give everything to Christ. If you got baptized, would you raise your hand if you got baptized today? Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations, Lucky. Congratulations, congratulations. Married people, yeah, congratulations. So, um, you know, a lot of people decided they would follow Jesus today. I feel kind of weird with this setup. It's never like this. It's not only facing that way. But uh, I want to, sh I shared in the early service, in the 9 a.m. service, that there are um, some things that God doesn't know. And that was a really strange sentence because we know that God is omniscient. He's omnipotent, right? He's omnipotent, I guess that's the way you say it, right? And uh, omnipresent, so it means he's everywhere, all the time, right? He knows everything, that's what omniscient means, and then all-powerful, he can do all things. If you know that, say amen. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> By the way, amen doesn't mean I'm religious, amen simply means I agree. Okay, so you could say hoorah, hoo-yah, depends on where you served, or you could say yeah, or mm-hmm, or whatever you want to say, but you know, sometimes agreeing is important, but today... I, in, this, in this service, I'd like to share with you guys a little something different. We talked about those things that God doesn't know, and those things are a sin he can't forgive, a sinner that's too far gone, right? Uh, he doesn't know someone that he, he can't love, right? There's specific things God doesn't know, and, you know, it's not like he doesn't know. He just, it's not in his radar, you know? But then there's this other thing that I, I really started, you know, really praying about uh, this particular service, and I feel like I need to share with you Three things that Jesus is guilty for. So we know Jesus was never guilty of anything because he is the, ch the son of God. The Bible says that there's none righteous, none but one. And that one happens to not be you. <laughs> Sometimes we feel very righteous called self-righteousness. Right? We feel like I've done good enough. I, I don't have to change anything. Or maybe, you know, I've gone to church my whole life and done all kinds of good things. And at the end of the day, the Bible says that all of us are sinners. And there's no sin that's better or worse or less. It's simply sin. So it's a great equalizer, I guess you could say. All of us in here stand, if it not for Jesus, condemned by our own deeds. It's amazing because Christ was guilty for some things. He stood before this, this court. He was tested. He was, tr he was tried. And uh, I, I'm, I'm going to read to you guys the verses. John 19, 16 through 17. Then Pilate came, or Pilate gave Jesus to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and led him away, carrying the cross by himself. Jesus went to the place called Skull Hill, or Golgotha in Hebrew. 
Jesus was crucified for specific reasons, but those reasons were unfair. Meaning he was being blamed for some things. And this man, Pilate, said, I, his, this ruler said, I can't find fault in him. How could we put this man through the death penalty? How could we have him walk the green mile, so to speak, if he's not guilty? And he said, I'm going to wash my hands from this. You guys ever heard the term, wash my hands? Right, well, I'll wash my hands. That actually came from this part of the Bible. Well, he just washed him, his hands from this whole ordeal. Or she's washing her hands from this, Right. And what that means is this, is that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clean myself. I'm going to say, I have nothing to do with this particular matter. Pilate said, I'm, I'm stepping away from this because I can't find fault in him. He was being blamed for some things. Most of these were not true. But three things Jesus admitted that were true. And these reasons were enough for the religious leaders to crucify him. The first thing that Jesus admitted to do... And I think it's one of the coolest things is that he admitted to heal someone on the Sabbath. You know what that means? That he stepped outside of the religious norm and he said, I will do what the, the people have been sticking to forever. And they were not healing on the Sabbath because it was part of this, this reminder for the Jewish people that they had come out of slavery from Egypt. And what basically it became this ritual, this religious ritual that people would do. Here's a crazy thing. Without Christ, all of us here, all we are is religious people. Without the grace of God, I don't care if you don't go to church. You do have a religion. For some of you, it may be the gym. Your religion may be your job. Religare, that's the word that religion come from. It's a group of believers. You've been to the world and people believe, for example, I had a boss. His God was green. He told me, I have a God and his name and he's a green God. And I was like, what do you, I used to work for a bank. And he said, yeah, yeah, God is my money. Matter of fact, he got married to the person simply for tax breaks, for tax purposes. I was like, whoa, that's intense. You know, I was like, wow. And I thought, poor woman. And then I met the woman. I was like, she was worse than him. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that makes sense then, you know. Uh, but he, he admitted to me that he did not believe in God. He believed in, himse he believed in himself and in what he can create. The problem with, that create, uh, uh, the problem with a self-made man is that he ends up worshiping his creator. So you create this world around you thinking you're the creator and at the end of the day we're not created we are created beings the thing that jesus did is that he came to break the religious law and he didn't come to just break it he came to fulfill it he came to say you don't need these things because you have me he did it's kind of like he wore shorts to church oh my goodness i grew up in a baptist church by the way this church is baptist i guess you can say we just baptize people <laughs> No, no, no. I'm part of the American Baptist Board, and honestly, I don't even know what I'm doing there. One of the only ones who... Anyway, so anyway, I'm part of this board, and, and one of the things that I realized is that church can become very ritualistic. We can be all about rules and regulations, and this church of the first century became that way. They became, you can't do this, you can't do that, and Jesus is like, really? Watch me. And there's this guy, he was sick, and he, he, he had a withered hand. The Bible says that he had this, this hand that had dried out. Have you ever seen that? This man was handicapped. And Jesus decided that on Sabbath, on the day of rest, the day where no one's supposed to work, he decided to heal this man. And this man extends his hand. And he's healed in front of all these people. What if I told you that God right here, right now would heal someone? What do we do? We'd be like, wow. Somebody's like, and just grows their hand. And we're like, what? Wouldn't we all be excited? I'd be excited. 
I don't get to see that every day. But you know what these religious people did? Instead of praise God, they began to attack Jesus. How could you be healing on the Sabbath? You know how crazy it is? <laughs> judgment is like bad breath. Right? Everybody could see that you're judgmental except you. That's bad breath. <sighs> how are you? They're always trying to tell you secrets. <sighs> how are you? You're like, no. Judgmental people, the problem with judgmental people is not that, and I, by the way, it sounds even judgmental that I'm saying that about judgmental people. But the problem with being judgmental is that it removes grace. It takes grace away. And what Jesus did, he said, he actually told them, so if your, your donkey falls that day, would you not pick the donkey up from the, the hole it fell out of? You have more grace towards a donkey than towards each other. And so Jesus decided to do something wild, and he broke the religious code. This really angers people when you go against the religious code. Can I tell you something? And I mean, I mean that genuinely. This is not about church today. This is not about religion. We didn't baptize 20-something people because we're religious. It's not about religion. It really is about grace, isn't it? It's about what grace can we have towards each other because we've received grace. Everyone in here, the great equalizer, grace. I'm telling you, sin and grace. The Bible says that where sin abounds, grace over abounds. So I would just encourage you today to simply realize that Christ is not something you deserve. I don't deserve Christ. I definitely don't deserve Christ. I think I'm probably the last one to say, oh, I would deserve Christ. Simply because I know how broken humanity, my humanity is. But the truth is, is that Jesus Christ is able to break all the codes, all the religious rituals, and simply say, I can heal you today, tomorrow, the next day, even if it's a Sabbath. Amen? I can heal you every day. Jesus is guilty for breaking the religious codes. I love God. We had people leave this church because I used to preach in jeans. I do sometimes also. And they're like, oh, the pastor's wearing jeans. I'm leaving the church. And you know what was really happy, honestly, when they would leave? I don't mean if you leave because today I'm, wearing, I'm not wearing jeans. But if you did, I'd be happy that you left. Because there's always a place for someone who wants something. And something is the pastor not wearing jeans. But I was happy because I realized this, that they have their mind made up of what they want and how they want it. But some people come in this place and say, you know, it's not about what I want. What does God want? What is God asking of my life? You could have tattoos or no tattoos, jeans or no jeans, suit or shorts. I pray that you always remember that Jesus was always guilty for breaking, right, that Sabbath religious code. Second thing he broke was this. By the way, I don't mean that we're going to be, you know, well, I know God deserves always best and, you know, I get that. But, but Jesus has this way of breaking codes. I love it. Second thing that he is, he's a friend of sinners. So he was blamed for being a friend of sinners. What a cool thing. Now, I'm not saying that the sinners were his influence. He was the hammer, not the nail. Can I, can I hear him an amen? He was a hammer, not the nail. I believe entirely, completely, that sometimes you do need to step back. Sometimes, you know, maybe you're, uh, Marcos, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, right, you needed to step back from the, from the current flow that you were in. It was a bad one. <laughs> but then when you, you really gave your life to Christ, now uh, you, it's been years now. When was the last time? Can I ask you in public? I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that to you. I'm not going to do that to you. But it's been a long time, man. So years and years and years since you've you done what you used to do. I know. Um, but it's amazing to understand and to know that at some point you can have friendships. And the purpose of your friendships is no longer just party buddies or just to have fun with somebody. Uh, or to have a business partner to make money. 
or to right or to you know I'm gonna I'm gonna have all kinds of relationships because I'm lonely or because I need something, but rather now it becomes a very purposeful guided life where Jesus would have friends and friends that were out of the norm. Matter of fact, these friends became the greatest soul winners of his, of their time, people that were tax collectors. You know, there's this particular instance. Can I can I bring it up? This woman was about to be stoned to death because she got caught in the middle of adultery. Now, I'm not advocating for sin. Please understand, I'm not talking about that. But she got caught in the middle of this act. By the way, it takes two to tango last time I checked. You know, it was only the girl that was getting, you know. So, by the way, the Bible doesn't talk about that. I wish it was thicker. I wish it had more context to it, more, more words, because I want to hear the rest of the story. I don't know if the guy was standing on the back. I don't know if he followed the crowd. I don't even know if he grabbed the rock and tried to, pit, tried to throw it too. I don't know where he's standing, but the Bible doesn't say. I wish it did, don't you? Like, where was the guy? Because the girl's about to get killed, and he's just watching or he's just chilling or, you know, I don't know what's going on. But, but anyway, so going back to the story, you know, this woman is about to get stoned to death according to the current law. By the way, people still do get stoned in places of the world for less than that. But Jesus stands in front of all these people, all these very religious people, all these judgmental people, and all he does is begins to ride on the sand. Now, listen, these people were trying to trap Jesus because if Jesus defended the woman, now he was a lawbreaker. They could have crucified him that much quicker. Does that make sense? But if he would have stood with the, with, the, with the religious people, then everyone would be like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. I thought you were gracious. I thought you were teaching us about forgiveness. Does that make sense how smart the enemy can be and try to trap us many times? But Jesus writes something on the floor. And because the Bible is not thick enough, it doesn't tell me what he wrote. How many of you guys want to know what he wrote? I would love to. I mean, I'm going to rewind that in heaven. I'm like, can we play that part? Right? Can we just go back to that part of the gospel and see what he actually wrote? So I could only assume what he wrote. Can I tell you what I think he wrote? Now, I can't make theology out of it. I can't write a book about it. But I believe God. He knelt down. Jesus started writing pornography. And then after that, he said, oh, but my pants are getting all wet from the Baptist. Anyway, so, so the next thing he wrote is probably uh, on faithfulness. And then over here, he wrote judgment, gossip, addiction. And he just started writing and writing and writing and writing. And then he drew a line. And I'm thinking, yeah. You know why? Because in there, he probably would have written things that I myself am guilty of. Does that make sense? And when he writes all these things, people are just looking and, and the religious are screaming at first, but then they're looking and they, they don't understand what's happening. And then Jesus looks at them and said, okay, you guys ready? <sighs> Grab the bigger rock they could find, possibly throw. And now they're looking and they're, it's like, those of you that are, guilt, that are free from guilt, go ahead. Those of you that have never sinned, and I believe all the good sins were there. You know, the, all the ones that, that really hurt, that really people didn't even know. Maybe even put some names down. You know what I mean? Or I know what you did last. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know I got revelation power and I think Jesus. Or maybe he just wrote, I know what you did. You know? And he just steps back and he says, anyone here who is guilty, cast the first stone. And I could just hear it. All the rocks just falling. From the oldest to the youngest just began to say, man, forget that. Just walked away. You know why? Because people knew each other. People knew each other. They couldn't, I mean, even the priests, they were just like, yeah, about that. You get what I'm saying? Now Jesus was showing his guilt of being friend and defender 
of those that honestly have no defense. If you still have a defense, if you still have a reason why you should go to heaven without Christ, then Jesus is not your friend. He can't help you because you're already your own. You have decided that you'll represent yourself. Today's an incredible day to simply say, Lord, there's some things that are above my pay grade. One of those things being redemption. If God decided that this world needed education, he would have sent us a teacher and only a teacher. If God decided that this world needed more money, he'd have sent us an economist and perhaps an investor and only an investor. If God decided that this world needed physical healing, he'd have sent us a doctor and just a doctor. But this world needed redemption and he sent us a redeemer. Amen. He sent us someone who can perform healing. He can teach. Does that make sense? He can forgive. He can save. What if I said to you today that he was forgiven most, loves most? He was forgiven most, loves most. Two days ago we came, a group of us came. It was like 5 a.m. and we were just praying. Right? We're, we're going to be doing this every Friday, 5 a.m. prayers. Anyone who wants to join us, please feel free to join us. Right? And, uh, and it's really cool because the only thing that God kept on putting in our hearts was just really repent. And repent doesn't mean I hate myself. I can't live with me. No, it's like I get it. I understand, God. I need to turn away from those things that are pulling me away from you and go towards you. Can I share one last piece before I give you the last point? And that is this, that the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. I am married to a girl much prettier than I deserve, much smarter than I could have ever, 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 ever hoped for. She's a 10 and I'm like a 4. Like, it, it works that way. If you look at my kids, they're like, nah, that's not your kid, bro. Like, really? <laughs> DNA. You know what I mean? Like, I, these kids are awesome. I love my wife. She's amazing. She's, she's a woman of God. You guys know her here. Pastor Eoni is awesome. Now, let me, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm just kidding. No, no. No, but, but I moved into this beautiful city called El Monte. If you live in El Monte or have gone to El Monte, then you know it's beautiful, friendly El Monte, but it's not so friendly sometimes. I'm just saying. Uh, we moved out of there about a couple months ago, and for the first time, I left my car unlocked at night. And I left my iPad on the seat without being afraid of breaking the windows. Now, I want to tell you these things because we live there and we love this town. We, we, we witnessed in this town. We prayed for people in this town. We go to Food for Less, and I can't steal anything because they know Paso P. You know, uh, you know the cashiers. And, and, you know, I love this place. But one thing happened when we moved in uh, that you may find this controversial and that's okay. Uh, if you don't like it, it's fine. Um, but I hope that you can see past my mistakes and, and horrible things of my humanity. But I bought a gun, a 9mm Beretta. So now, now some of you guys are like, yeah, Second Amendment, right. You know, yes, yes. Whatever you want to call it. But for me, for me, it wasn't about violence. Honestly, there's a group of people that I can't win with coffee. I can't talk, hey, you want to go have coffee? No, nah, eh? I don't do coffee. All right, fine. I'll put the bullets. Let's go shooting. All right, let's go. You know what I'm saying? So I did that with some military men, and it was great. I had a, a, this, this, this awesome, awesome experience with people that would not have heard the gospel otherwise. But, you know, uh, one of them, where, where, is, uh, uh, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Ah, he's not here. Ah, I'm good at calling up people that are not here, right? right? Anyway, so anyway, so his brother, his military, would not hear the gospel at all until we ended up going. Anyway, so I'm there. I want you guys to think about this, okay? This is a true story. One guy comes and jumps over my, my backyard, and I don't have a problem with, uh, with people, you know, asking for something. Hey, you, you know, I, have, I noticed you, you know, I was doing my lawn, and I saw you have something. Are you going to sell it, or can I have it? 
this guy just jumped my backyard. And I didn't know who this guy was. All I know is that he's in my backyard. And I'm in friendly El Monte. Remember this, okay? I'm not in the hill somewhere where you know your neighbor very well. And so I'm like, I, I go down there and, and I'm ready. What that means is this, is I am locked and, locked and loaded. And you may not like this at all. You may think, I'm going to move churches. I'm going to go to church with a pastor. We just pray and pretend that, not pretend, but have the faith. Maybe I didn't have the faith. But I said, you know what? I got my, my baby. He's in this house. My wife is upstairs. And I'm sorry to tell you, six minutes, four minutes ain't going to cut it. And so I came out ready to do what I had to do to defend my family. I would have prayed for the guy afterwards for healing. I would have prayed God and lift him up, raise him from the dead. But at the end of the day, I will not let someone hurt my child or my wife. Amen? Okay, now, sometimes defending people, sometimes it's harder to defend people from yourself. So I'm not just advocating for this violence because sometimes we need to defend people from our own self more than anyone else. Amen? Okay, but at that moment, what would you have said, Louis, you're about to get married in about two weeks. Woo! You ready? <laughs> three weeks. Oh, man, why are you postponing it? I'm just kidding. Okay, so three weeks. What would you have said to me if I would have just been like, you know what? Guys, uh, the game is on. This guy jumped the backyard, my baby. I mean, I can make more babies, okay? <laughs> I can make more of those. My wife, eh, she don't know what to do. She's going to be, she's smart. Just keep playing FIFA or something. Go about it like if it's nothing, like no big deal. Or maybe I'm too afraid to step in and just kind of like, well, I'm just going to go through the front door and go, and go for a ride. Is that really love? Sometimes, sometimes we don't like to hear this, but God hates just as much as he loves. He hates anything that will separate you from him. Anything that will split you from, your, from the love that you have for him, he hates that. He hates it so much because it takes the love that he has, that, which is you, away from him. See, sin does that. What sin does is this, this thing that rips you away. And it's not that God lets you go. It's that you feel, literally, you think, I can't be close to this holy, holy, holy God. And so I'll do two things. One, change my lifestyle or change my theology. Either I'll change the man or the manual, but you cannot have it both ways. Right? So many times we say, I'm going to get away from God, and then I'll change, and I'll come back to you. And so God can't stand sin. As a matter of fact, he can't stand it so much that he sent his son to the cross to die. Not because he wanted to, but because he had to. Because the righteousness of God goes in hand with the love and grace of God. And so what Jesus is guilty for, and I absolutely love this. Jesus is guilty of being the son of God. He claimed to be the son of God. And that he was. It is only the child of God that can come and pay a sinner's death yet had no sin. I don't know how it was in the Bible. I don't, it's not thick enough. But I don't know how it was in heaven when the decision was made. I don't know if God was looking for someone. He said, you, Moses, how about you? Oh, never mind. You can't. You're a sinner just as much. Matter of fact, you didn't enter the promised land because of your crazy character. Because of the way you are. Man, and he looked around and maybe he looked at an angel and said, I'm sorry. Angels can't cut it. They simply don't have the blood to be able to pay the ransom, which is the wages of sin is death. Amen. And so he was looking around. I don't know if somebody tried to stand Elijah. Hey. I'm still alive. 
I still got blood. I never died. I'm over here. God looks at him and says, yeah, but you're a sinner just as much as these guys. You have a debt, and I have to pay it. Does that make sense? So there's only one, his only son. And he looks at his son, and he looks at you, and he said, it's worth it. It's worth it. Just one, it's worth it. You see, the definition of the cross, which many people carry. I was one time in Italy, and out of all places, this, this beautiful country, right? I was sitting next to this guy, this Italian guy, and he had this, this cross, this golden cross on his chest. And in my uh, Italian, English, Spanish combination, uh, I asked him about what the cross meant to him. Because I was trying to speak to him about Jesus. Ah, no, I, don't know. I don't know what Italian is like. But, but no, no, no. And he started trying to tell me that it was part of his outfit. And I was like, Arr? oh, yeah, yeah, my outfit, you know. Like he was telling me that it's part of his clothes, part of, part, of, part of the style. I came to find out he was diagnosed and he was supposed to die in two months. And I looked at this guy, and I, in my broken Spanish even, <laughs> I tried to tell him, you have salvation on your neck. Do you know what the cross meant? And so I tried to explain to him that the cross is this. God's hatred against sin poured on his son instead of you. That is the definition of the cross. God's hatred against sin poured on his own son instead of you. Jesus said, funnel it this way because that guy must have relationship with you. Funnel it this way. Let sin and the wage of it be paid by me. Jesus said while he was at Gethsemane, please, Father, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to do this, but let your will be done, not mine. You know what that meant? In this cup, I have rape. I have incest. In this cup, I have gossip. I have lust. I have lies. In this cup, I have unfaithfulness. In this cup, it's so bitter. I can't take it. I don't want it. Who here would want it? Who here would want the worst drink, toilet water? Does that make sense? Who here would want the vilest thing in the world? And Jesus said, let not my will but yours. And so he drank the cup for you. And I like to finish with simple, simple, practical obedience should you attempt to grow closer to Christ. And it's this. Jesus says, first of all, like I said, he's guilty. The first thing he's guilty for, you guys remember that? Healing on the Sabbath. Second thing? Friend of sinners. Third thing, claim to be God. There's this fourth thing though. And he said, I am the only way. And this is where most people get lost. All want, and by the way, no one disputes the existence of Jesus. Like that's the silliest thing any uneducated person can tell you. There's more documentation to, to, to back up the existence of Jesus than Abraham Lincoln. Like we cannot dispute that the man actually walked on earth. Like our history tells you, right, A.D., Anno Domini, and then B.C., right, before Christ, the year of the Lord. And then, so even history tells you, our books, our life, our 2018 is ruled by the man that came. The, 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 it parted from him. Do you get that, right? So it's not about his existence. It's about his consistency. It's about his truth or lies. Is he the lunatic or the Lord? Is he savior of all or none? Does that make sense? Is he, say, is he guilty for what he claimed to be? A child of God. Or is he just another figure? Because see, the difference is that one day when we get to the place, and we all will get to that place because 10 out of 10 people pass away. Last time I checked, and we've done many, many funerals. A few weeks ago, we had just one more here. And I could tell you this, every single one of us, one day, 
Just like Billy Graham will be standing in front of the one. Or like Stephen Hawking, who hated the concept of accountability to a Lord, who denied the existence of God. Or Hugh Hefner, who died less than a year ago. A man who, coming from a Christian home, just like Billy Graham, instead of turning to God, turned away from God and led so many marriages to break apart and so many young people to destroy their own lives. Oh, he died rich and many people clapped. But did you see what happened to Billy and the way he was celebrated? The way he actually was honored by presidents, nations. I saw the streets, firemen clapping, everybody out of work. They were not working. They were there in uniform, just streets covered of people cheering for a life well lived. I just encourage you right now to ask yourself the question, who is Jesus? Is he who he said he was? I'm not asking you to be perfect. I'm not asking you to be part of a church. Honestly, the result of your answer will vary. That result, though, you know, will be hopefully trying to get closer to him. Hopefully trying to draw near to him. Hopefully being more in love with him because you've been forgiven more. But really, what is that question and what is the answer? The answer to the question is what will change everything. I'm going to ask you to do something. Uh, normally we stand up and we pray, but this time around... I'm going to ask you guys to just close your eyes. And I'd like to pray for you. Actually, I'd like to ask you to close your eyes not because you're religious or because you somehow, some way are being forced <laughs> by social pressure. But rather, it's called introspection. My degree is psychology and I did not for one second believe that psychology is the answer to the world. I still don't. I still know that there's one answer, and the answer is still Jesus Christ. Medicine falls short. Science does as well. Finances, look, I pray that God blesses you so you can love him and love people with that money. That you can truly show the blessings and just bless people. I'm not against finances or, or progress, to the contrary. We pray that the young people in this church, man, they go and do the things that some people, maybe their own parents couldn't do. That they can go and show the world that they can be lawyers and still pastor people as lawyers. They could be teachers and still be teacher pastors. Fathers and pastors. Because pastoring is a heart, not a job. Pastoring is what you do with your family. Pastoring is taking care of someone else. As he said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you, Jesus. Then go take care of my sheep. Then go take care of my flock. Today, I'm going to encourage you to ask the, and answer that question. And the question is the same question that Jesus asked Peter. Peter, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Procrastinating the answer to a question is worse than procrastinating filing for taxes. <laughs> It'll catch up. Procrastinating, procrastinating on the most important answer. And that is, who is Jesus to you? Can I take a little bit of pressure off and tell you, Jesus already knows who you are. And yet he loves you. He died for you. Though the world and Satan could tell you and scream at you, you're not good enough. You're not worthy. You're not worth it. You're out of place. You don't belong. Look what's been done to you. Look what you've done. Jesus, with his arms nailed wide open, says, come to me. 
you see what seems to be the most narrow-minded statement. It is only through Jesus that you can come to the Father. It seems to me like that's the most arrogant statement anyone can make. It is only through Christ's salvation. Yet, it's also the most welcome and inviting and loving, most incredible, beautiful statement anyone can make. Because He died for you so that anyone, 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 and I mean anyone who believes shall not perish but have everlasting life. And life in abundance in Him. So the answer to the question must be made. Can I ask you one last time and then I'd like to pray with you. Who is Jesus to you? If you would like to one day be able to stand in front of him and say, this is who I claimed you were. And that I pray today would be Lord and Savior. Redeemer. God. If you want to have Jesus Christ, ask your Lord and ask your Savior. It's not too late. It's not too late. I feel like the enemy is telling some of you here, yeah, it's too late. No, it's not too late. Never too late. God will use you to reach people, man, that I could never talk to or I could ever reach. Some of you here are miracles. You should not be alive, but you're here today because God has an incredible purpose still for you. I met a grandpa one day that told me, I've ruined my children's life. And I told him, but you have grandkids. You have another chance, another chance, another moment. You still can. You still can. And it's amazing to me to see what happened. Because I don't have time to tell you the rest of the story. I can tell you this. God redeems, God restores, and God renews. He is amazing. So I'm going to pray a prayer. If you'd like to pray it with me, you would just please confess with your mouth as the Bible says. The Bible says that you believe with your heart for righteousness, but you confess with your mouth for salvation. And so that's what we will do. You simply tell him, Jesus Christ, this morning I give you my life. I give you my heart. I am sorry for my stubbornness. I am sorry for all I've done. I ask you to change me. I ask you, God, to help me to follow you all the rest of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me in spite of my sin. Thank you, Jesus, because you break the religious code to come to me. I love you, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Let me finish the story of the guy.